Yeah, how long have you been listening to the Cedar Skier podcast? I, I, I honestly didn't know what it was, and I Googled it. Hello, Ryan. This is Jesse Diggins. And I, I just thought it was really cool. He says, Pedal, what do you think of my skate ski now? Well, you need to have the right information. Put your phones down. Oh, kids. hi. Is this the editorial department? Well, actually, not quite, last. This guy, Clugnet, back there. A real Hickory High School story there for Great Britain. Best question I have had of all questions in 10 years. No, and, and if Ryan, you were for sure not listening, but if, if you were, you were, I got your email. Got your email. You were, <laughs> no, you're brilliant. This is like exactly, like right, you hit the nail on the head. He's won 24 of the last 26 that he's been in. No, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked that you. And now up to uphill, he's got a hop and he goes. Pellegrino knows it is urgent and he goes after him. The, the mountain. Lado looks like he's taking care of everything though. Could anyone possibly defy him at this point? Pellegrino is going. He's going to try for it. Pellegrino! Pellegrino! Let's go right by Pellegrino! I will get back to you, and I agree. Put your phones down. Put your phones down. Put your phones down, kids. Ajay, are we on like Minnesota Public Radio or something? It sounds like we're filming a dog commercial. All right, sorry. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cedar Skier Podcast. <clears throat> Actually, I I requested to Ajay. I said, find a piano background that'll make it sound kind of like. Uh, you know, Sunday evening with the Cedar Skier. Like, we're just going to be laid back, late night conversation, the fire's burning in the background, something a little more like that. Apparently, this is what we came up with. The reason being... Okay, turn it down a little bit. Seriously. Well, the reason I asked for the piano music is because the other night, I had just a great chat with Andy Liebner, called him up from Alaska, and... um we talked about ski poles, but so much more than that. And he's a guy who, like, his entire life is just insanely fascinating. He's got so many little anecdotes and stories. We pulled out a few of them in this interview, but definitely not all of them. You can read more about them in Wild Shot, his book, where he documents about himself, like, really trying to go all in on biathlon. Super fascinating read if you like, you know, the John Morton stuff, if you even the fiction John Morton stuff too. This is like, this is actually kind of rem- reminiscent of, I, don't, I think John Morton wrote a book that was like fiction based about a kid in, in biathlon, like trying to go for gold or whatever. And after I read Wild Chat, I was like, here's the real thing. Like Andy Leibner, hardcore. So pick up that book if you enjoy this interview because it's got a lot of cool stories. But also if you're a tech guy, you're going to love this episode because we totally dork out about polls, what um, the design process for the United States Ski Pole Company poll, and he also knows a lot about like other brands' polls, what they're doing. Um, so you're going to find that very illuminating, I think. Um, and where the lightest pole can possibly be found, the lightest pole in the entire world, we get to the bottom of it in this episode. You're also, well, I'll just say this, prepared to be shocked because you're going to hear some things in here about like World Cup drama stories that even Andy is not, he can't even give out all the details, but you can go search them up on the online on the YouTube or whatever the kids are calling it these days and learn a little bit more. But stuff I didn't even know about that um, 
uh, he he knows about I don't know he he's the guy in the ski industry that like I feel like Andy knows things that no one else does and the things that he knows if only we could give him some sort of a uh, you know amplifier that that could get out and reach thousands of people which is probably why he came on the Cedar Skier podcast in case you didn't know we are second third fourth in the north fourth fourth large nodding now fourth largest um ski nordic ski specific podcast in lake county we're not even just ski specific i have to say nordic ski specific is there like an alpine version of the cedar skier unbelievable well anyway um we hope you enjoyed this conversation this evening conversation with andy liebner a myriad of topics um, grab some hot apple cider, sit down, turn up the fire, um, put in your favorite piano concerto, not piano concerto, background piano music, you know what I mean. All right, here we go. So, um, hey, I'm super happy to have you finally as a guest. It seems, it's kind of crazy actually, like, you have such a cool story and so many, so much wisdom and knowledge and topics to talk about. I can't believe this is the first time this is happening. So, <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate, uh, yeah, you know, being on here and all that you're doing. I too, I've, I've, you know, heard your podcast around with other people and yeah, yeah, you've, you've interviewed a lot of a lot of people in the industry. You've really got a name going for yourself. So, congratulations oh. too on that front. It's cool. And speaking of Alaska, I actually had someone send me a message recently and they, they were wondering if I was going to be, I could acquire your, um, race schedule. And I think they're, they're nervous that you're, you're quite fit. You're hanging around Alaska and you, you, you're going to enter some races and destroy everyone. This is, this was basically the message that they sent. So, um, what? yeah, they're like, this Andrew <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't him. It was someone else. So they're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Huh. Yeah, because I, I I'm in this thing called Johnny Skier. You'd love it, and it's it's guys that all graduated between 1994 and probably 2004, <clears throat> like the old legends from the two national team and high schools eras up here. And okay. now we're kind of falling off, you know, 40 or around 40, and you know, and we're we're hitting the trails, man. Every Wednesday, we just hammer, 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 and. <laughs> having a great time and i've jumped in a couple bash cups i didn't do too well in the first two i did okay but the last one i did i was eighth overall which you know you will see all you know high school kids but there's some you know like seeking professionalism sure level um yeah and i good good race so um but i'm also coaching and stuff and i'm gonna jump in uh, a couple more races this year so yeah i'm kind of it's good to get back into shape and um, I'm used to, to race and stuff and feeling motivated for the first time in a while after taking two years away from snow. <laughs> yeah, no, that's crazy. It's in Alaska. I know there's like, you know, obviously a vibrant racing scene, especially like the weekly stuff you're talking about there. Is the is the only marathon like that I would know the, is it Tour of Anchorage, you know, the 50K or whatever? Or is there like, are there some other big ones? Because I would imagine that must be kind of annoying too if you liked lape racing or marathon racing like you're so far away you know from anything else but do you guys have like seven multiple marathons you could go to yeah it's not necessarily marathons so much um uh, every weekend there are races up here yeah there's um the uh the uh, i forgot the name of it um like the nordic ski association of anchorage like that whole cup series like 
three okay. points and stuff. Um, in addition to the Bash Cups, Bash Cups are the FIS races, the Junior National Qualifiers for Team right. Alaska. Um, and you get, you know, fist points. So that's kind of a, that own caliber. Um, and then you have <laughs> like local races. Like I raced a double icicle. Um, I won both races that I competed in, um, or icicle double it's called. <clears throat> and, uh, and then there's, um, you know, like high school races and stuff to watch. And, um, like for, for citizens, I mean, there's, there's two different race series is going on up here right now. But are those um, mostly shorter time. or are they, do they have some longer stuff in those too? Oh, I think the longest in those are like around 30 K I'm going okay. down to the Kenai Peninsula. It's my hometown because they're hosting a 40 K. Oh, um, yeah. The, uh, so tour of Salteshi, they call it, um, yeah, it's a 40K, a 20K, and a 10K. Okay. Oh, wow. So that, that is pretty sweet. All right. Um, well, hey, I, yeah. I kind of just like hopped in here. I didn't really give you a chance to introduce yourself. So, uh, Andy, it's great to have you on here. And, you know, for those who don't really know your story um, and the US uh, SPC story, too, can you kind of give the spark notes version of that. And, and I mean, maybe start mostly with you here. Cause I know we're going to, I'm going to, I want to ask you too a little bit about like the Genesis of the United States ski pole company, but yeah, who, who are you? Where, where'd you come from? How'd you end up where you are now? <laughs> yeah. I, I founded the U S ski pole company in 2012, um, built a bunch of machines and, uh, brought other machines into, uh, Sheboygan, Michigan. Uh, it's kind of a depressed economy there, so it's really inexpensive to uh, manufacture. And I'm originally from Soldotna, Alaska. I uh, love it up here. Um, we've just moved back to Alaska after being gone for 14 years uh, up here, at least for this winter. It's a beautiful, awesome winter we're having this year. And uh, I figured that uh, we can make a better product than the Chinese. So <clears throat> the, uh, right now there's very few poles ever made um, outside of China, and uh, we're giving them a run for the money. So, um, with the machinery we have and the technology we use, uh, I can go into more detail in, in a minute here about yeah. like why our poles are different, what's different about them, and you know some actually reasons why they cost less than our competitors with the same um, weight and stiffness and things too. So, um, proud to, to be a, a you know a young entrepreneur in the market, but also very into coaching and and teaching the sport. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, before we even talk a little bit about the polls and stuff, I mean, you even as as an athlete um, did quite a bit, right? I mean, high school and college. Um, can you kind of give us the synopsis there of like, yeah, just like your competitive experience in the sport too? And, and uh, actually, I should add the the, the marathon lopet series where that was like a big deal back in the early two thousands. You did a lot of damage there too, I guess. But like, uh, yeah, what 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 can you say about your ski racing background? And, and then, yeah, I want to ask you specifically about like maybe how that ended up being parlayed into, Hey, we could be doing a good job making this product, but yeah, I, I know you've been a lot of places and seen a lot. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've lived in you know multiple continents and, you know, been in the sport a long time. So, yeah. um, yeah, you know, starting out, you know, like any other high school skier competing in high school and, um, running and skiing, I was a state champion in cross country running actually did better in sports and that uh developed a little bit later so i didn't really um uh have the strength that i needed to compete well in, in skiing and didn't have the the coaching staff in the summer to help me progress so um i didn't really get going until i was more in the um 20 to 24 year age group a little bit late coming into it um 
never made world juniors, but I do have uh, seven junior national uh, titles, um, or medals. Sorry. Okay. And uh, you know, I competed at uh, at uh, uh, University of Alaska Anchorage um, for two years, um, and then I did some biathlon. Let me let me back stuff. No worries. Yeah, you're, it's all good. Yeah, so after high school, I I um, joined the Coast Guard. I was kind of burned out sport. You know, I take sport really seriously. I just didn't think I could really perform to the level of expectation I wanted to or other people I felt like were perceiving that I needed to perform to. And so I just needed a break, you know, any break. So I uh, joined the Coast Guard and then uh, ended up getting stationed in Marquette, Michigan, and uh, was able to train with the NMU team on the side outside of work. So I still worked full-time, but able to keep my ski legs going and that gave me a leg up when i got out four years uh later and then went to the university of alaska anchorage um competed there for two years um we got picked up with the u.s biathlon um and then ultimately cut off because of a knee surgery so i went to europe for two years kind of on my own um training with some of the best in the world and uh, that's where i wrote the whole book uh wild shot from from that experience right. amazing story fun entertaining thing i it was turned from a blog into a book um and then i came back um skied the u.s marathon series it was more popular back then uh, with points and you had to do certain races in certain regions and things like that so i was named the uh endurance skier of the year and the distance skier of the year 2010 um and then i went to northern michigan university in 2011 um, and all the college races, I never got a third place. I was first and second in every race um, and ended up winning the U.S. National College Cup, uh, which ranked me as the number one collegiate skier of that year in 2011. Um, I earned two All-American titles at UAA, and I earned two more at, at Northern Michigan. Um, didn't graduate yet. I ended up leaving the team. I was going to come back um, to compete a year or so later, which ended up being four years later. I didn't compete, but I did graduate in the fall of 2015. Um, but I started, in the meantime, I started the uh, the first Masters Nordic Ski Program in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Oh. Um, after, I left, okay, yeah. Yeah, after I left Northern, I went to Jackson, just loved it. Hung out with Eric Welbrecht all the time and Adam Johnson. Um to name a few of the, the folks out there at a great time um, and then got tied in with uh, manufacturing. That's a long story on that one. But, um, yeah, I had a good deal on this this carbon fiber uh, um, pole-making equipment as well as adding more to make the real, like, full pole with the injection molds and the design work and the patents involved and the website development and going to shows. And so I did that. Um in Sheboygan, Michigan, that's where the factory's still at today. We just hit our 10-year anniversary in September 2022, um, going on 11 years now. And it's, it's really grown into a new thing. You know, we've got a lot of customers that, that love our product, and um, we came out with a virtually unbreakable pole. It is, it is <laughs> really, really stiff, and it's still really, really Okay, wait. Would you? Uh, I, I'm curious about this too. I want to. I want to hear about that. I know you've told me some about it. Uh, but when you, uh, maybe I, I don't. Maybe this is in Wild Shot. First of all, that's an awesome book. 
Um, out for you, for those of you out there, if you're a fan of like John Morton stuff, which that those were some of my first stories that I re- I you know read and got me excited about Nordic skiing. And John Morton is a masterful writer, and he kind of makes you know he makes you want to go out and train. When I read yours, I was like, it kind of had this feeling of just rawness to it and it, it made you want to keep dreaming and believing you know that that's how i i would kind of you know sell your book to someone else is like you want to read this because it's inspiring you know here's a guy who kind of like actually goes and drops it and go chases the dream sort of the once a runner in real life kind of thing and there's just some great adventures but yeah i don't know i i'm kind of rambling they're off on that i, I did want to kind of come back and say how, describe to me exactly how you you like this carbon fiber pole, you know, machine that you had. Is this like some someone had it in their garage and then you were like, dude, I should I should start my own company. I could do this better than other people. Or was it like long coming even when you were over in Europe traveling around like, yeah, frustrated by some sort of technical component with poles and biathlon and stuff like that? Yeah, good question. I get that a lot. You know, why did I start this? How did this happen? What, you know, yeah. I, I didn't get a degree in any business stuff. I didn't get an engineering field, whatever. You know, I've got a PE coaching and nutrition degree and a uh, master's in, in teaching now. So um, long story short, I'm also an entrepreneur at art and natural salesman, you know, from selling ice cream at five years old on the street corner. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'm not afraid to knock on a door, ask somebody if they want something. Yeah. And uh, I, I just, I, I wheel and deal too. So I, I saw this, you know, this deal for all this equipment. I knew what it can do. It was great value. Um, and, you know, I was kind of plugged into the whole make it in America, you know, and just right after the whole economy crashed and seeing Michigan dry up, you know, I'm like, well, I'm not an auto manufacturer, but I can, I can make a product within the skiing industry, which I know. Yeah. And, you know, what's something that's not made in America or not even made in Europe? It's ski poles. So I said, we can do this. And I did the numbers and yeah, we, we, we're totally competitive. Um, we actually have a cheaper product and price, um, against stuff that's coming in from China. Just they have the name brands and they can mark it up. I know how much that they're paying and, and kind of rip off if you, if you knew what I knew about the industry. <laughs> so now, out of my polls. <laughs> you can't you, you can't say that and then uh not fill us in or uh you know people come to the show this is why we gotta you know un- uncover those things actually yeah ba- okay one last backup thing so when you when you got the equipment and you you decided to launch the company was it was there some um like actual engineering you had to kind of do with like the equipment you had where it's like okay i got to make this make ski poles or was it actually like something designed to make ski poles and there wasn't as much tweaking to do you know, I, I guess I've never really asked you about that, like the, the real nitty gritty detail of that. Yeah, there is a lot of detail. And, you know, looking back, if I knew it was this hard and it's going to be like took two years to really make the first pole re-engineering an entire factory, I probably never would have done it. Yeah. <laughs> but after a point of no return, I had to continue. <laughs> and so... Um, yes, there's 29 steps to the process, not just, you know, put material on one side and it comes out the other side of the machine. Like there's, there's a lot of different points and jigs we had to make and customize this and doing all that. Like there, there's, I can't go into the detail about some of its proprietary, but, sure. um, it's similar, similar to golf manufacturing. 
So um, we get a lot of questions like, is it filament wound or is it a rolling table that's making it? And we say it's neither. It's kind of a combination of both. And that's what makes our poles different and how we can put less material in, get a lighter and a stiffer pole is because we lay up the fibers and the best way for fiber orientation and cure times and cure temperatures that gives it the maximum downward force as well as deflection for durability. So um, when somebody asks about what pole is the best, I have to return that question and say, what level of skier are you? Because that determines what pole that we make is best for you. Sure. Tied, tied, yeah, to, yeah. tied to like the combination lightness, stiffness, if they're going to fall and break it or like do what I did one time when I was frustrated and whack it on the back, whack the snow out of the back of my boot from a sideways angle. The only time yes. I've broken the pole. I still remember you're like, well, Ryan, that's not exactly what your pole is made for. Yes, Andy, I know. Sad. It was a sad reality. Yeah. But... You're made for using on snow in that <laughs> downward direction. Not yeah. for knocking snow off your boots or your skis or your yeah, bindings right. or whatever you got to do. Like, use something else for that. I mean, I, um, I, I, yeah. I knew some of the, like, uh, you know, uniqueness as far as, like, the straps. You know, obviously, you've got some customization, the um, the tips uh, and the baskets and all that. I wasn't I, – I don't think I'm as educated on, like, the actual construction side of it. And I know you can, you just said you kind of can't go into all the details of it. But, I, but I'm interested you brought that up because I was having a chat with – um, another person who, you know, sells ski poles and they were talking about the old start poles that I think are discontinued now. And like the, the, the way those are made is different than almost any other, uh, you know, more the Chinese made poles, which is it's wrapped around a tube. I think they, they like have individual strands. Why I got to go back and listen to my interview, but I was like, I got to ask Andy about this. Like if he knows about starts poles and like, if, if, if that was um, something you knew about and or how, how did you learn like, hey, this is the best way to construct it? Because it's one thing to have ski experience, you know, and to know how it should perform. And it's a totally a different thing to like, dude, go and figure out all the science of it and the engineering side of it. I mean, how'd you do that? Yeah, I spent a lot of time in the uh, Pacific Northwest uh, when I was coaching the national team of Peru. Uh, my athlete was out there okay. in Seattle. My dad lived in Bellevue as well. And um, there was a couple of companies that do composites out there, um, uh, like Warner Paddles and um, Sage, which is uh, the fly fishing company and you know fishing poles and stuff. Yeah. So I um, was able to poke around their shops. You know, I'm not a competitor with them, not ever going to enter those industries. But I learned a lot. Um, saw some machines like visual and I was able to replicate those in my shop to say, okay, I, I need to do something similar to that. I like that process. It took this much time. We can make that here. I found the electrical engineers. We put it together. Um, and it, it just like came together, you know? Yeah. Like when you really, really just focus on something and I stopped racing like I, I used to you know I was training full-time and doing all that stuff like when I stopped doing that um, you have a lot more energy to do other things and when you know the market well and it's a niche like it just comes together you know so I guess that's that's the best way of saying it just you know there are things that are happening in the United States you just got to find them knock on the doors and talk to people and them to find out that we're we're trying to do something similar and, you know, we were kind of working together in a way that, you know, we're both American companies 
but not competitors, but it grows the industry. Um, you know, in an easy way of saying it, you know, I'm not trying to beat around the bush or not give you information. I'm just, you know, I'm saying, uh, you know, I learned from other professionals that have 30 years in the industry to leapfrog what they learned to get there. And I took what they had and started mine and then stepped up from that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like when you when you mentioned, what, two years to make your first poll, is that, yes. that that's, I feel like that's a whole podcast of itself, probably just from a life standpoint. I mean, right? The, the drive, the innovation, creativity, but then the persistence. I mean, it's, it's one thing to have a dream and an idealistic mission, which those are things that your company would have as far as let's make this in America. Let's do it better than other people. I love, I love skiing. I love, I love giving people that joy, giving them equipment that makes it do it. Okay. Yeah, that's fine and dandy. But then it's like, it comes down to brass tacks. It's not like you had someone who was like, Hey Andy, here's a hundred million dollars. Do, do, you know, let's, let's make this work. It's like you had to go out there and scratch and claw. It sounds like, I mean, what, what's kind of like, when you reflect on that, what are you most proud of and what's kind of like the big takeaway from you, aside from the fact that you are, you have your own company, you know, obviously right now, but you, I, I don't know if that makes sense what I'm kind of asking. Yeah, you know, and before I go into it, I'm just going to mention, like, in my Wednesday night skis with the guys um, up here in Anchorage, too, um, the guy in the group is like, oh, yeah, I broke a pole some, you know, weeks ago. And, you know, you've never heard of my brand, but. I was like, hey, I can fix that. And and that started up the conversation of like, well, how do you fix poles? And I'm like, oh, I've fixed a lot of poles and not my brand, just tons of other ones. And yeah. I kind of got into it and I showed them a YouTube video that I have about fixing poles. And then, you know, like, they're like, well, how come you haven't said that you own the company now, you know, like, or until now? Because I've been coming to weeks and weeks and weeks. I'm like, you know, people don't believe me. Yeah. Like, why would, why would the owner of the U.S. Keypole Company be hanging out in Anchorage and skiing with a bunch of guys and, you know, chit-chatting in the parking lot afterwards. And, you know, I'm also a PE teacher, you know, like that doesn't make sense. But I, you know, I wear multiple hats and, you know, our machines make poles so fast and so efficient that we make all of our yearly production in a year. I mean, in a month, in one month, we make everything we need for the year. And, you know, it's not that we have such low volumes, but, I mean, this machinery used to produce 80% of the world's golf club supply for 20 years. Jeez. It made millions and millions of shafts. And so we could take over 100% of the U.S. and Canadians, so really the North American market, if we had the the demand for it. Right. But since we don't, (laughs) we could, at our leisure, just make them when we want to. And now it just comes down to we make them when I'm in town. And I'd rather do other stuff right now and run the business online like most companies do. Sure. So um, I don't even bother telling people that I'm a business owner because most of them don't believe me. Yeah. And I maybe go in detail of like trying to convince somebody. I, heck, I I owned a thing. I've been I did it for ten years there. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's you know something to be proud of. Um, and I guess my there's so many things you know between our strap and our grip that's anti-chafing. And, you know, the thermal properties of that strap, the adjustability of like no other company and the shaft quality, the paint technology that nobody else has. We're doing all this custom stuff. You know, you want your name on it, you want your face on it. We can do it. You know, 
yeah. athlete I coached at the 2018 games. He's the only Olympian of all time <clears throat> to have his name, his face, his country flag, everything up and down that pole. You know, we just took a little two-inch stamp spot. That was all I'm asking for. Who did and, you? Who was the one you had at the at the Olympics? Herman Madrazo from Mexico. Okay. Okay. I coached him in 13 months, qualified him to the Olympic Games. Wow. That's crazy. I, yeah, I, I was going to ask you, like, yeah, like, I know you've got some exciting things going on and, and different athletes out there who are using your polls. What, what, uh, what can you say about, yeah, some of the, some of the people either on the World Cup stage or on national team stuff? Are there a few, a few countries you're still like at, really active with? Or, I mean, anything on that front that's kind of come about with, with you guys? Yes, on the World Cup stage, it was actually our first year that we were doing custom polls and i'm not at liberty to say which country but it's one of the most popular countries in the world for nordic skiing and it because we do custom branding you would not know that it's ours and we did not put our logo on it we weren't allowed to um and iceland is another company that or another country that we worked with um we supplied all of their athletes world cup and just on the world cup with theirs with their names on but this one country um they used them for the half of the world cup and then um long story short we were uh deceived and that contract was severed and they no longer used them not by choice but because of bureaucratic business happenings i'm not allowed to talk about that's it. It's so, fascinating. Now, now I feel like I need to go. I gotta go back and watch every single World Cup race and like zoom in on everyone's polls and be like, "Is that a U.S. ski pole company poll?" <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna know because it doesn't have our logo. But it, it here's a hint. It's it doesn't have any of the name brands that you see out in the field now. Wait, the wait, wait, the country doesn't have name brand. It doesn't use name brand fields. Or I was. What What do you mean? Yeah, the name brands of the ski poles that are in existence now, it's not one of those. We made it just for that customer, and that customer had a contract with that country. I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you can see on one of my YouTube videos, you can see the owner, very famous person, apologize publicly about two years after the incident. On your YouTube, on your YouTube channel, um, yes. And my question is, why are they watching my YouTube videos? Interesting. Wait, I now we need to yeah. now we need to like get the link. Uh, I gotta see this. You have to send it to me. I, I'm curious. I want to solve the <laughs> solve the mystery. This is crazy. Um, but uh, we have we have two two channels. You know, it's the US yeah. SPC channel. You just type in US SPC yeah, yeah. channel. You'll get our company channel. Um, but I have some of our older videos on my personal coaching page, which is coached by Andy Liebner. Yeah. And I think it might be under that one because it was an older time. Okay. Well, I, I, I want, I was going to get to the, uh, want to get to the, like the million dollar question for you as far as, you know, what, what is it that makes your polls better than the Swixes, the cave, the KV pluses, you know, um, for CAD now, kind of in the scene one way. Um, and and I, I guess I kind of feel like all those polls, or at least a few of them, have some, like, 
unique characteristics is uh, characteristics or advantages you, you might say but I'm curious for you as someone who's kind of a pole aficionado like when you look at those different brands how do you sort of size them up like yeah Swix does this well or Forecat does this well but then ultimately like here, here's kind of the reason that at, at any level as an athlete you, you can win with this with with U.S. ski pole company Yeah. Um, oh, there's so many different ways I could take that. Um, <laughs> there's more than just one benefit from ours compared to all the rest. Um, I guess one of the things that that you notice most, that the customers notice most, they respond to, I'll go with that one, is the balance and the swing. And that also has to do with the comfortability. So think about this when you're when you're riding a bicycle you know and you have um your hands on comfortable gloves or no gloves at all or the right the right type of grips you know and your handlebars feel well right like you have a better experience right so right, right. our ski poles are like that um here's like top to bottom you know what nobody should be putting cork on a grip anymore unless you have an incentive to make more money on selling gloves <laughs> i'll leave it at that <laughs> so <laughs> if you have and also if you have a strap like if you if you karate chop someone and you karate not someone something like right on the edge yeah um say a, a, a half inch edge like an edge of a table that's going to hurt really bad, right? But right. if you karate chop onto a, onto like a flat two by four, it disperses the pressure. So, um, with that analogy, I hope you can picture like our straps are wider where the bottom of the hand is because that's where the pressure, um, is given right. like, when you're pushing down right. and that reflects back upwards and you feel that pain. So if you, if your body um, as a neuro neurological re reflex, if your body's experiencing pain, it will naturally back off. There's nothing you can do about it to preserve itself. So because we have a wider strap at the lower part of the hand, you're able to apply more power without even knowing it. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things personally using your poles and I haven't I hadn't used many other poles before using yours. Like I got into skiing you know, fairly, really late life compared to you. And so it was like, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think I had a Swix pole that was like an, a, an old one that was like the first thing I skated with, but yours was one of the first ones. And I remember like the first time I had, I used a different pole for double pulling specifically. I remember thinking like, yeah, what the heck? This thing is like jamming into the side of my hand. Like I'm not, you know, like I, I literally wasn't thinking about that aspect using, your poles you know so the strap thing was huge and the thermal yeah. thing is kind of a little added bonus uh, it's hard to know when you're going all out like uh you know in a race sometimes i think for me my adrenaline my hands especially double pole races like your hands just are a little bit warmer anyway so i can't say personally from experience i've been like oh yeah dude it keeps you warmer but that might be something too even in race gloves where i was like yeah i was fighting these what are you talking about but uh i'm curious on the swing weight thing though because that comfortability 
I mean, that, I can't, I would think that would have taken some serious scientific work to like figure out the biomechanics of like where the center of balance needs to be to have the right swing weight. How, how did you like kind of come across that process? Did you consult, you know, like, I don't know, Norwegian scientists who are studying ski to figure out, you know, different pole mechanics and things like that to sort of fine tune that? No, we did all the, the math and just measuring stuff and cutting carbon and <clears throat> all that in house. Yeah. But we, Speaking of Norway, we did send a series of polls um, to Norway. There's a, a university in Trondheim that did a, a test, and um, without like knowing the brands, like they just blanketed, right? And they, they got also the prices of of the polls, um, weight, swing, balance, stiffness, the whole works. And um, actually, one of our polls uh, we don't offer to the general market. The custom order um it's our hybrid pole um it became number one like they told us and i'm not making that up like they came back we just sent a bunch of stuff up there because they wanted it then they said hey you have one of the no or you have the number one pole but also like your other poles fell in line with you know real similar to the other top of the line brands what was this wait and, what was the study for what, what were they studying like what number one and what like overall, like it was the overall. So it wasn't necessarily number one in, in any specific categories, but the average yeah. of it being good with weight, stiffness, balance, swing, feeling, and price, it knocked it up there as number one. That was your, and, and, and that I, was a hybrid poll though. Why, why don't you, uh, or like, what, where does that fall in your line in terms of, you know, close to signature or like the, the, um, uh, the freedom, freedom gold. gold or the honey badger or the northern yeah. light. It's it's a blend between the northern light and the signature and interesting. You know, and how we blended them and um, you know because all five of our poles use different material. Yeah, yeah. And we used to offer that one. Um, we changed. We just have too many poles, so we had to pull some yeah. <laughs> off the market. Um, like our Alaska Forty Nine. I love that pole. Customers that have that from the past, they love that one too. Um, we had to yank it because we were coming out with adjustable poles and we just couldn't market so many. So, um, you know, we changed the formula of the Freedom Golds too and um, made that based on feedback and, and performance um, testing and things like that. So it might be a pole we come out with in the future and it, it actually is a really good pole for roller skiing too because it's just so durable and it's light and it's stiff, but it's not as stiff as our XC Signature currently. But for roller skiing, you don't want it super stiff because it, you know, mess up your elbows sure. after some time. But it just seems to be the right right thing, and then Norway confirmed that for us. So that was NTNU probably, right? Like, uh, the, I mean, they're, that's Oyvind and everything. Oyvind Sandbach was on my, um, like, for my master's thesis here on double polling. You know, he's part of – I mean, I'm not saying Oyvind was on your study. Was that the Swedish Winter Sports Center in, in Ostersund? No, no, I'm talking NTNU. I thought you said Trondheim was where you sent it off to. Yeah. It was, but we sent a bunch of stuff before oh. up to Sweden at the Winter Sports Center in Neusersen. For another study or for something else? Yeah, earlier. Yeah, when we first got started. We wanted to see where our polls lie in a non-biased, I mean, I mean, a bias. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. <clears throat> been an end of the day here I've been working <laughs> yeah yeah no you gotta you gotta send me these studies do you have do you have links to those that feel like that'd be some interesting reading 
Yeah, I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to publish some of that stuff. Okay, so I, like, <laughs> is that, getting out there, but yeah, it's yeah. not. It wasn't. In other words, like it wasn't a study that was, uh, you know, on on the scientific journals websites published. It was more of a I don't know what that'd even be called. You know, like a trial type thing, basically. Is that what, that what I understand? Yeah. yeah, I didn't even know it was happening. It was the contact of ours in Norway that uh, actually is from. He went. He came from Norway. Went to Michigan uh, through high school and graduated with um, undergrad and masters at University of Michigan. And okay. then he went back to Norway. And so he was just asking me, "Hey, can you know I can get some results and stuff and that?" So I was like, "Okay, oh, all right." Dude. So I sent a bunch of stuff to him, and yeah. he's the one. I didn't I had a clue who he was talking to or what was yeah, happening. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, I get all this, you know, this this information. I'm like, oh wow, look at what he did. So you've got. <laughs> so to... I, I I really don't know the details of it, and yeah. I'm not allowed to publish it anyway. So it's like, well, yeah, it's a pat on the back for us, but I can't use it to market. Especially, I can't use other name brands. Yeah, so... yeah, no, that's it's interesting. <laughs> I suppose half your life right now, you're talking. You've already talked about like three different secrets, and you haven't even been on the show for like a half an hour. This is uh, this is pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. Um, yeah. um, and as far as like, yeah, um, I was going to say, I guess, you know, you didn't, you didn't really touch on like some of the, some of the other brands though. And I don't know if that's something even that you can say, because I feel like one response that I've heard sometimes from people is, you know, you see like on the world cup or the super tour, it's like, dude, look at how many people have triax or like, you know, uh, Clabo's got, um, what is he? Levy or no. No, why am I, uh, yeah, the licky um, like, pink ones. Yeah, yeah, and so it's like, uh, you, you know, do they? Does anyone ever kind of come to you, kind of go like, well, if your polls are so good, like, why are those guys using those polls? Or you know, even if do you ever engage with them and, and, and someone like that and kind of go, oh yeah, like I see Swix, I see what they're doing, and Swix is super ultra light, right? I mean, like I think their tracks, they must be the lightest. Pull no, I mean I don't know if you know like the grams to all that. Three point. I I don't know. I think the track four point oh is now the their new like they even that ratio the grams to stiffness ratio whatever they they upped it even more on that. I I don't know, but yeah, I was kind of wondering if like if you kind (laughs) of see some of that. Yeah, go go ahead. I feel like you're ready to say something. My personal poles are less than thirty grams per meter. I've got the lightest poles in the world, and I can make those. Um, you know I can't market them. I can't market them like they can. Yeah. And if I did, I'd have to give away so many just to convince people. And that material is really expensive. But you know what? Until I have a huge marketing budget, I'm not going to. Okay, wait. You, so, have, you have a personal pair of balls that's 30 grams? That's, yeah, it's in the 30, 30 gram, 30 to 40 gram. It's in the 30s range. And that's I, nuts. You know, I, I selectively have sold some to some sponsored athletes. Sure. Um, one kid in Idaho, you know, and everybody's looking at them and they don't have a name brand on them. It's just, you know, we just painted them with that same freedom gold, sure. um, gold logo. And they're like, where did you get these? You know, and these kids, you know, he's a, he's a junior and stuff. And, and so they try to buy someone, they look on the website and you can't get those, but <laughs> like, yeah, we can make those. We got all the technology to do it, Is- but I don't have the marketing budget to, to knock it off. So what yeah. I say, like when I tell people is like, you know, those companies that make a really big, really good thing that people really like when they hear about it yeah but nobody really knows <laughs> yeah yeah that's us like we're those guys that make a really good product but don't really market and advertise and so when when they do find about it then people buy our stuff and our customer retention 
is it's got to be like 98 percent at yeah. least because we we rarely lose any customers and got raving reviews from the customers that we do have and once they go back or try another brand it just don't doesn't have the same feeling yeah and so i you know i've told people people have told me like hey if you ever you know stop doing this then let me know because I want to buy five pairs to stock up for <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's like my brother with running shoes. He's got a sock in here that doesn't hurt his Achilles. Yeah, they're, dude, that's crazy. I that's awesome. I I am um I'm fascinated now. I wanted to follow up. I'd ask you the the no. Sorry, I apologize if you're if you get all these random like calls and emails. Like I want a custom thirty gram. I want a custom thirty gram. Uh, but like, are those poles that you have? Can you make them that light, but also the same stiffness as the signature? You know, like, cause that, I, I don't know. I don't understand how that works totally, but like, I thought the, uh, the lighter you make it, if you go incredibly stiff with that vertical force impulse, you know, where it's going to be super stiff, then you are sacrificing some of the like durability to it. But yeah, does your technology go, Oh yeah. Hey, Hey man, we can make the lightest and stiffest pole ever. It's going to be, you get, you better watch out, you know, like don't. Don't set that in the car. Make sure you put it in a nice pole case. But is that the case? Is that, is that how that works? Like, that is how it works, and that's why a lot of those lighter end up poles end up broken. Yeah, yeah. And things, and yeah. even even those brands you're talking about, they'll snap like a twig. Yeah, you know? it's for real. And I've seen, you know, like Sammy Hamilton is a guy that that I, I watched in Sochi, right there in the stadium, break his pole just by normal use. It wasn't kicking it on you know hitting it on the bottom of his boot or yeah. ski or anything he was just using it normally and it just blew out and guys are so big now and so strong that they need to use a pole that's designed and made for the level and power transfer that they're getting and they're competing in so they look at track and field do you think that like all athletes would do fine with just one type of spike <laughs> yeah. like like a throwing spike or a jumping spike or sprinting spike yeah. or a, a distance spike or you know right. mid-distance spike no they make spikes for all different events so why are we making well, not us because we don't make poles like that anymore all the other brands are making this like nice lightweight balanced pole for classic style you know but there's this thing called sprint racing now, mass starts, and all these other things that, that you know are coming into play that didn't used to be there, but they're still chasing after that original goal of like lightest, stiffest, you know, thing like that. Sometimes you need a stiffer pole and put a little bit of extra weight on it. It's not is not going to make a difference if you're that much stronger and you worried about your poles breaking or that your strap isn't even um, wide enough that your body's not able to put the power down because it's going to naturally back off. Like I talked about earlier with the neuro neurological reflexes in the brain. Yeah. So, um, that's where our honey badger came out. Um, I was inspired by that and, um, by watching Simi break his pole in the middle of the Olympic sprint, as well as, um, you know, talking to one athlete, I'm not allowed to name his name. Um, it was, one of the best in the world at the time. And he wanted something bigger and stronger. And that's where we developed it. And after negotiating stuff with his name brand, it didn't work out. And so we renamed it the honey badger. <laughs> is this, is, you, you got, oh my gosh. <laughs> 
that's what I'm gonna get so many emails. Right, you need to you need to figure out. I want the names of that. That was the, that was the best, Andy. You got so many stories. Um, <laughs> um. Oh, what was I gonna say? Yeah. Hey, talk a little bit about the uh, the new poll you've got coming. What what makes it great? What makes it special? I guess you know. And like, who's it kind of for? Yeah, the XC signature extra strong is our newly released poll. We just um, hit or allowed it to be public this year. We've sold them in the past for custom orders, people that seem to fall a lot, break a lot of poles. That solved that problem. Um, and we've gotten more and more inquiries for that, just of word of mouth of people that have those polls that we decided, you know what, this is enough interest. Let's actually launch that, that poll model and give it a name. So we have the extra strong um, XC signature. Our XC signature has always been our number one seller. So what we did is we took that formula and then added a little bit more material in the direction for more deflection. Okay. So it's going to give it, um, it's just a tad heavier, but you don't have to worry anymore in a mass start about people kicking your pole or you falling down in the Berkey and, and, you know, being without a pole for a while until you get to a feed station to get some, you know, <laughs> pole that you don't really aren't going to trust or like some thing that you yeah. really didn't want to have in the first place. So, um, that's the peace of mind that you get. And that's what that pole is. It has the same features with the, with the grips and the, and the tops, um, and the tips. So, you know, it, you know, I don't know what else to say about it outside. It's just a little bit beefier. And that's something that no other company's ever come out with is just, you know, a more robust high-end race pole. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, I use the signature, and when I've kind of like, you know, had friends test out my poles before too, I think the closest comparison, for those of you who are out there who are like wondering how that one comes, to me, I kind of feel like it's... um it's got it's got a stiffness like the triac, but it's it's like you said, it's like it's a little more peace of mind. You know, it's like it is a little heavier, but it's it's that peace of mind thing where it's it's not heavy enough where you would you would go, man, I'm really losing something here. You know, I feel like that's how I kind of describe that signature. It's like it's a college level pro re- level pull. And so is this the ex, is the extra strong kind of like uh, you maybe won't even notice the weight thing, or is it kind of one of those things like oh no, it's a little bit more, but again, kind of more if you're leaning more towards that durability aspect versus weight aspect that's kind of the pull for you yes yeah you might notice it a little more if you're a really really big guy yeah you won't notice it sure sure and if you're a really big guy this is the pull for you um and then if you're really really tall like alex mcdonald's the guy that we sponsor he's he's in canada he's six foot eleven oh geez Um, yeah he has to use our poles you know because the industry used to make them up to 180 centimeters. Okay. And since COVID, they've only made them up to 175. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's that's not tall yeah. enough for someone like that, for sure. And we've got the tooling um, to make those honey badgers up to 210 centimeters. <laughs> I was just going to ask you. I was like, the second you said this, I was like, what's the craziest pole you've ever made? Yeah, I meant the lightest or longest pole in the world, too. That thing is is a beast of a pole. That's why we call it the honey badger. If you ever watch that, you know, crazy honey badger video on YouTube, that's what we named it after because it's, it is a 13 millimeter, um, tip at the bottom. And anytime you get longer, you also need to increase the girth, you know, the the diameter. And so, um, 
that increasing that gives it the better balance. So those taller skiers aren't using the noodle because if you keep a 10 millimeter tip, super long pole, it's just a noodle, no matter you know what level pole it is. So we we balance that right. So we've got you know the the real tall guys using those, and it works great as a uh, a sprint pole too because it it just really doesn't um, flex a whole lot. That extra three millimeters makes a big difference. Um, and I know that Matsus comes out or has a, uh, the race pole has 11 millimeter because they figure it out too. You get a bigger, um, circumference. It just stiffens up. And so, so we went to 13. So the honey badge has a 13 millimeter, the diameter. Yeah. Is a, so you have the world record for the longest pole that's been made 210, uh, centimeters. Is that that? Yeah, we never applied for it, but yeah, you, you know, should. That's market, not going to find one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's crazy. Um, have you? And I know you guys do the custom graphics and stuff. You mentioned a little bit about that. By the way, if you're listening to this right now, and someone's like, "Dude, I I love this guy. I I, I want to design a pole with my face on it, and I want it to be signature extra strong." What would be the easiest way for them to do it? And like, can you can you tell them like you know? Obviously, they go to, they go to your website. They can they can see that in order maybe from there. We like what's what's the extra what's the extra cost hassle labor for like those designs you know there's probably some people out there who are like I've got some artistic side of me and I could like you know design that how, how does that whole process work you got to like tell people who are who are thinking they're scheming right now that like I am <laughs> yeah it's super easy we made this super easy um, not complicated we're a small company but we work fast and we're really clear about communication so. Um, if you want us to design it, it's a one-time $50 fee, and that gives you unlimited changes for a year. Um, we're super easy about that. And then it's only uh, $15 extra per pair to have your own name, whatever else you want on it. Yeah. Um, you know, your own custom colors and everything else if you don't want ours. So, um, yeah, or if you just want your name on it, you know, that's extra 10 bucks. We'll put your name you know, emblazoned on it. So it's permanent on there. It's not going to come off. I did that with Greg LeVon's poles too, right in front of him. I blasted the heat right onto his, his pair of signatures and, and he thought that was the coolest thing. And he's considering doing that with his bikes that he comes out with. Yeah. Okay. Can, can you talk a little bit about that chapter? You just bring up, bring in Greg <laughs> LeVon, little name drop. Can someone in the producing room drop the little bell where we have for someone dropping a name? Yeah. Greg LeVon. Cause you were kind of helping to some degree, right? With like, his framed is framed construction and all that aspect for his bike line. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. How, I'm guessing yeah. this is going to be at like secret number five here. You're like, well, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I loved working there with Lamont. Um, so yeah, with, with my, my uh, manufacturing experience and just setting up carbon factories, they were looking for people that uh, are like pro us made make it here not going to sell it to the chinese or anybody that comes you know offers them something yeah um and he's a skier too he skied the bridge before you know lived in minneapolis for a long time it's from um reno yeah so anyway greg and i had a great rapport and uh yeah i helped design and develop did a lot of the testing for their early um models of pole or models of bike frames that we developed there in knoxville and um yeah, you know, I can't go into great detail about what they're currently doing, um, although I still am in touch with them, and I did invent a mechanism that will be in a future model of one of their handlebars. Um, 
but yeah, part of the technology that I use for our ski poles is is going to be applied into the um, production of the the new Le Mans bikes once they are released. Did did that kind of like spur something with you too? As as far as I don't know if you bike you know a lot, but were you like, oh man, making bike frames would be kind of sweet. Maybe I should just like. I don't know, make a bike frame for myself and, you know, my dad or something like that. You know, is it that easy or is it like, no, it's not really like that. Like I, it was a very specific component that you kind of helped him with. Oh, with my, my personal like, yeah. inventions. Yeah. Like, I like, could you, well, I mean like, and, and even just going back to the factory, how hard would it be to like, go, let's just like make a bike frame, you know, like, is that like, not, oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. oh, it's, it's super hard. Okay. There's, there's tons of pieces to the, to the puzzle <laughs> yeah um and i learned a lot down there too I, I knew nothing about making bikes i knew a lot about making other types of things in carbon and i learned a lot but the once i got my head, head around it i was like okay we can we can make it lighter or stronger here there let's try this let's try that you know i had to dissect um every bike frame all the different brands that i could get my hands on um as well as test all the way to destruction to see where their failures are. Yeah. Um, it is similar thing within the ski pole industry too, just tearing apart our competitor stuff and seeing where their fail points are. So I, you know, that, that's why I was hired to, to help LeMond, um, you know, give them some baseline data for what, what the market, um, where it currently is and how we can make a bike basically unbreakable and safe. That yeah. was, that was the big deal. You know, the, the speeds that people are going down these hills, especially in like France and Spain, you know, and mountain passes and you hit, you hit the brakes and the hollow chamber is just, you know, the fork is just not strong enough, no matter how strong that carbon is, that heat, and it's just going to explode. So, um, I remember, you know, guys would call Greg from their hospital bed after being medevaced because they crashed. Jeez. So, Wow. Yeah, our first project was just making that that fork um, unbreakable. That wasn't, you know, going to cause any damages. You know, last thing Greg wants or anybody is to have somebody die on a product. You know. Right. Right. Um, so that was that was solved. And so any any all the future Lamont bikes like should be safe. It's it's like you know in a way I, I put it to like Volvo, first company to make a seatbelt, and you know across the chest. Sure. And they basically gave it away to everybody because they didn't want people dying just to have that. But um, think of it this way. Let's say Volvo didn't do it. Volvo would have the only car for 19 and a half years with an international patent to offer that safety feature. Wow, that's so wild. I didn't know that. Le Mans is holding on to their technology because they'll be the only bike in the world that has those safety features. Huh interesting okay which i i mean do you think that someday hopefully will they like kind of spread that knowledge or is that you know like i mean like volvo did i i don't know i'm I'm not at the top to to make those decisions (laughs) at this point we'll see over time you know they haven't released the bike yet so you know we'll see when it comes out and then see what happens after that (laughs) well it it is gonna be one heck of a bike i'm really proud to have worked on it and I, i can't wait for it to be released yeah, it'd be cool. I've definitely since since I heard you were working over there, and I I, I bought a gravel bike. I did finally order one from Lauf, um, and I and I've had a great time doing it. But I was kind of like, oh man, I wonder if they'll you know come out with come out with a gravel bike to be good. And which I'm you know 
the high speed braking, like you're talking about, it's not as, as related, but just the durability of a, you know, your carbon fiber bike, riding gravel, riding adventure stuff, always key, but you know, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll move into that when it's ready. Um, yeah. Yeah. The gravel bike, I was, I was helping Greg with, with some general, um, startup ideas for the gravel bike. Cause oh, they really? gotta finish the race bike first. Okay. It's going to go right to the tour. He's already got some contracts that are, that have come in even though they haven't even made a prototype yet of the final thing you know and uh but this gravel bike i had an idea that i brought to him and like just as a tangent here right away he was like oh no we can't have that because of this rule because of the shape i was like what like (laughs) of all the people like this is actually a safety thing for what i brought into it yeah in addition to my handlebar thing and so I thought about it later and then Greg came back in the room and I'm like, you know what, Greg, where's the guy that, that, you know, duct tape two sticks to his handlebars to make the first arrow bars. People laughed at him because they thought nobody did that. Yeah. That guy did it because he knew it was going to be faster. Where's the guy that made the first teardrop helmet? Sure. And people laughed at him because nobody did that, but you also did it because you knew it was going to make you the best in the world. And where's the guy that had his shoes in the oven in and out to, to shape them just right so you'd get just the right amount of pressure and your feet wouldn't cramp up and everything because like some of that stuff wasn't like necessarily illegal but it wasn't done in the industry as it was right and not but an industry standard yeah for safety because yeah that's who i came to work for and where's that guy let's not get too old and, and get our heads stuck in the manual because if we make something safer it's better and performs better that's what we're here to do yeah and you know, and he left the room. <laughs> like the scrawny kid from Nevada. Where did that kid go from? That nobody believed in. Who showed he became the best in the world three times. Yeah, That's right. That's who right. I'm here for. Yeah. Go back to your office and let me come back. So you time. gave Greg Lamont a pep talk. This is basically. I might have to make this the title of the podcast. Be like, Andy Liebner gives Greg Lamont a pep talk, and people be like, I gotta listen to this. What's this about? Well, you gotta listen all the way yeah. to the end. <laughs> And that earned an invitation to his house. So. There you go. That's so <laughs> cool. Out. We went roller skiing and he's using my poles, you know, and yeah, was, we had a good time. You've uh, you've had some pretty good, like, you know, random experiences in your life. I, I think roller skiing, Bjorn, or not, oh, who is the Olia? Olia. Yeah, Olia and Bjorn Dolan. Yeah. yeah. So, it, I mean, is that is that the greatest uh you know, feather in your cap in terms of like, I got to do this with someone kind of famous or have you had some other kind of cool interactions, you know, like that? Yeah. For a relationship with, you know, a top athlete. Cause you know, he's got, he's gotta be one what, of the greatest number three or number four of all time Olympic medals. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I was just, I'm just about to, I was just about to go with that. Cause I think even world cup wins, he might be like second or something like that. Yeah, World Cup wins. I saw that recently because of uh, the Alpine. and stuff, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. yeah, his name was up there. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, there he is, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think so. As a training partner, I learned so much from him in, in that short period of time. Um, and it just kind of, like, happened, you know. And, like, he just he's a normal guy, you know. And I expected when I first got there to have, you know, him have, like, a huge entourage and trainers around and people taking pictures and like him kind of be standoffish, but no, he was just, you know, he drove himself to the training every day and, you know, and by himself, my, my coach was the one who actually just like pulled, reset his targets and it was his roller ski track. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
like Joe went over and talked to him and was like, Oh yeah. So I got this guy Andy here and uh, do you mind if he trains with you? And he looks over at me. He's like, well, if he can keep up. (laughs) 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 I was going to keep up and just watching him stride for stride and seeing him ski. I'll never forget it. And I've, I've used what I've learned from him to teach others. And, um, it's not even so much technique. It's just timing and power transfer frequency, what he does on the downhills. Um, how he turns corners, the finesse of it all, you know, how he breathes, or at the time he's breathing like 14 really short breaths before he shoots. So he holds it, he breathes like, you know, really, really short, and then holds his breath, shoots his five, and then gets off. Um, that kind of thing I've never seen anybody else do. And he kind of does his own thing. Or he did. I mean, he's retired now, but yeah. at the time, you know, he was back in the world. And, you know, it's awesome. Uh, you know, look at him in, in 2002 in Salt Lake. You know, he won three gold medals in biathlon. He was skiing so well. The Norwegian national team was like, well, let's let you race in a ski race. And I don't know which skier it was they didn't let race. <laughs> but, well, he won a gold medal in, ski, in the 30K as well. My gosh, <laughs> yeah. Know, by a lot, too. He won by over a minute. You know, best skier in the world at the time was a biathlete. Yeah, that is nuts. I can't. I I always. Oh, I cherish the times. The and I. They've been very limited. Like when I've gotten to ski around people who are amazing skiers. Um, and really, I can only pull from like the one year I was coaching, even up in Maine. Like one of the most valuable things, honestly, was going to meets and skiing behind other athletes, even just athletes from teams, and then and then coaches too. A lot of the coaches in the Eastern, you know, conference are or the EISA. I guess EISA are our, our former Olympians and such like that. And so you just kind of pick up a little things just by watching them. And it's like when I kind of read your book and th- thought of that, I was like, man, that's like what I'm thinking of, you know, um, exponentially, you know, <laughs> expounded. And yeah, yeah you, you just, you, it does, it leaves an imprint on your mind. And it kind of makes me wonder sometimes like guys like you or, or you know, me too, I'm just kind of really observant to you thinking about stuff. It's like if I had grown up in Norway and like skied amongst, elite people at every level for every day maybe maybe i would have like really lost my fascination skiing you know but maybe maybe it would have been like you know you would have really been just that much better because you're surrounded by that all that technique we really don't have that in the u.s right now like like everyone who's making breakthroughs they're they're having to be the models you know from a technique standpoint and everything like that so maybe someday like americans will be robust enough and deep enough where everyone kind of has great technique but yeah it's interesting, but hey, yeah. Well, even in Norway, they don't. Not everybody has good technique, you know. Yeah, I've been over there to see that, and it's uh, you have to. Uh, somewhere. Oh, you just cut out there, Andy. Sorry, what'd you say? Yeah, you have to learn it somewhere, you yeah. know. And if you don't pick it up by your own two eyes or naturally do it, then you know it's going to take a little bit more and those people that are naturally more kinesthetic and have better spatial awareness um will have a greater leg up on it for sure for sure um hey i so appreciate the time that you've given me and i wanted to kind of like maybe i don't know if this is a good said enough question or not but like you're kind of kind of wrapping things up and going back to you know your company and just even i don't know even like your career and all the aspirations the adventures you've had we we haven't even really even scratched the surface i mean i know you could like 
you could you could regale us in like a gazillion different stories and anecdotes and things and you should pick up the his book wild shot it's really good you could order that from the website too that he has at us company.com i think i said that right right united states uh, no, and yeah so go there and check that out um and but yeah last like lastly i guess i'll say is um you know what what's kind of your dreams for the future in terms of the company in terms of innovation and what do you see kind of on the horizon you know do you see any kind of things even if it's not you know currently being produced you know like yeah just kind of the next thing in your mind i know you the gears are always turning it seems like you've always got a new idea or you see something that other people are missing you know that seems to be kind of the unique thing too with you so is there something there or you know that you can kind of shed light on like where you're headed yes um i've attracted a, a company a, a very powerful company in Europe um, that's involved with the roller skis. So they um, they currently produce 80% of the world's roller ski wheels supply. Okay. And um, we've been discussing this for close to two years now. Things are looking like they're going to happen this summer. But, uh, yeah, I probably will end up building a ski pole factory in in Central Europe to hit the European market because they're really impressed with the product we have in the States. And their first question to me is why are we not marketing in Europe? And I said, I just don't have the manpower. I don't have the people and I don't have the finances to do it. So we just stay in North America, but they said they, they, they want to put together a factory. They need me to help set it up, train the people how to make the polls and they want me as business partner. So that's, that's, I guess our, our next future branch will, will be a different brand over there. But uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff, dude. That's sweet. And so that's uh, when you when you let it off with there. That's the company producing eighty percent of the world's roller ski wheels. You said so. They're the ones they're looking at doing poles, or is that were you saying? You guys are also going to like design roller skis. I was thinking maybe you were going there. No, they already have their own roller skis that they manufacture. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, they, and they do have their own brands. They're pretty well known in in Russia, Norway, and Germany. Okay. So three biggest markets. Um, they don't import into the U.S., so something of a partnership. We would then distribute their brand um, in the U.S. through our distribution network um, and our, plat- or our facility there in Michigan with their ski pole factory. So it's like a, a good partnership, and um, they've come to us. So Wow, that's, that is sweet. So expanding. Uh, and they're going to have poles, but they won't – will they actually not be – or they won't say – uh, United States ski pole yes. company on them, or it'll be like, Correct. yeah, okay. Can't disclose what the name brand's going to be at this point because yeah. the roller ski is going to match. Yeah, there'll be a, okay. there'll be a new new brand emerging into the market. Oh, that's sweet. But sim, but like same <laughs> same construction. Every, I mean, like when you say that too, like, are you? It will it be for someone who's got one. They'll they'll just go, oh yeah, there's that's my, you know, the 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 straps, the everything is all the same, no, or it will be tweaked I've a little bit. I've actually got some of the Le Mans employees or past employees um, like me that were there and left and then um, working on some of the CAD and we're, we've re-engineered the quick release grip strap system, which would be really, really favorable towards uh, biathlon and just getting out of the thing. So it's using the nice features of our, our current strap, but in a quick release as well as our, our good anti-chafing grips. Wait, quick release, yeah. like the snap thing? Yeah. 
I had someone come up and ask me if you guys were going to do that. Yeah. Are you going yeah. to do that to the uh, North American side too? Sorry, now I'm like add, adding on uh, questions. I said it was going to be the last thing. After, yeah, in, in the future. Yeah, right now it's it's got to be done in Europe and then it'll come back to the U.S. if it all goes through. But, you know, I'm only one person. Yeah, yeah. I'm relying on other people to do their share. And, you know, I, I give it green lights, but other people put brakes on stuff, so... Wow, that's cool. Well, as long as long as I don't find out that the that the European U.S. ski pole company pole is like somehow better than what now now I think you know I think I need my next scenerskier dot com pole to have to be one of these like the freakish ones that's ultra light and ultra stiff and and I need to like I'll carry it in like its special own individual case. It's worth it, you know. Like, I, I, that would be that would be the tightest thing ever. I, I, yeah. Oh my gosh. But anyway, Andy, it's been a pleasure. And any other thoughts? Uh, I, something I should have asked you and didn't, or you know, yeah, something we didn't get touch on that you'd like to, or final final words. Oh crap, my uh, fire is gonna turn on here and make a weird noise. But anyway, maybe it won't. Yeah, f- fire it will. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like main thing. You know, I'm a U.S. guy. I've developed this stuff. Appreciate uh, the business support and whatnot. Um, but we're also the only U.S. option, and we th- guarantee delivery. Yeah, that's, big, that's a that's a big deal right now with with China backed up with COVID and everything else. Like supporting like real American workers to help our economy. That's that was our main goal when we first started this thing. So it's still been our our big mission, helping U.S. workers keep their homes and feeding their families yeah it's pretty sweet and yeah i i, I totally forgot i think i i called you when i wrote one of my first stories for the veil daily back when it was like yeah the pandemic's around and everything's locked up like hey andy how's it going for you manufacturing bulls and oh it's so it's, it's too bad like i think i don't think you replied to, to my email in enough like quickly enough where i i had my story went to press or whatever but it was hilarious because you were like dude nothing's happening we're still just pumping it out like normal it's a made in america and I, I thought that was so funny it's like la's the port's backed up forever people can't get their like shimano components to their bike and he's just doing work <laughs> <laughs> it was great yeah. yeah but anyway yeah. well at the time i think i just moved to hawaii i was doing a lot more coaching online so we weren't doing it advertising and just everything it was it's actually been pretty normal like consistent yeah. over the last like four years like the pandemic doesn't really show much influx or deterioration of our sales or growth it's just yeah. kind of stayed the same <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool well, hey, and I appreciate it, and I better get going. It's getting late. Not quite as late for you. It's one-time Alaska time. It's probably paying off. Poor Andrew doing the broadcasts in the middle of the night. 